Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 147 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's episode features a sales coach known as the Sales Maven, Nikki Rausch. After 25 years of experience selling in the corporate world, Nikki decided to trade in her road warrior status so she could help others sell in a way that builds relationships, creates true connection, and results in more closed deals and long-term clients. Now, as a sales coach, author, speaker, and founder of Sales Maven, Nikki transforms the misunderstood process of selling into techniques, tools, and tips that can be successfully incorporated into a process that can be replicated by you. When she's not helping business owners move their clients along the selling staircase, Nikki enjoys taking in all of the beauty that is offered by living in the Pacific Northwest. Stay tuned because I think all artists and photographers will gain something practical from this episode. We covered a lot of topics, including how to sell your artwork without feeling sleazy or slimy, the five steps of the selling staircase, including how to create a positive first impression, creating curiosity, discovery, delivering the high-end proposal, and recognizing and responding to the buying signal. We also talked about Nikki's free ebook called Closing the Sale, which is available to all listeners. Over on Patreon this week, Nikki and I talk about an idea that will help grow your client base and provide a product to them that is very unique to you. Head over to patreon.com slash fstop and listen for more info on how you can support the podcast and get bonus content at the same time. Well, before we get into the episode, I wanted to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to join me at two amazing photography conferences where I will be teaching, recording podcasts, and moderating panel discussions with some of the world's best and brightest landscape photographers. First up, I will be at Out of Moab from September 13th through the 17th, which I think will be a lot of fun. And I will also be at Out of Acadia from October 4th through the 8th. I would love to see you guys join me there. I have a special offer just for podcast listeners. You can get $250 off your registration for either of those conferences by using the code PAYNE, that's P-A-Y-N-E, at checkout. But you have to hurry because those those discounts end on the February 28th. All right, let's get to the show. Well, Nikki Roush, uh, the sales maven, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you, Matt, for having me. I'm very excited for this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for reaching out. And I think uh, listeners are going to find a lot of value in what we cover today, even if people aren't full-time photographers or looking to sell their artwork full-time. I think there's they're hopefully going to get something out of the conversation. So That's the goal. Right. That's always the goal. <laughs> Cool. So, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where where do you live? And like, how did you get into this whole sales uh, sales maven thing that you're running? <laughs> so I live just outside of Seattle, Washington, and I have had my business now for six and a half years. And I really started my business with this idea of wanting to teach entrepreneurs how to sell effectively 
because I was meeting entrepreneurs. I was kind of doing this. So my background is corporate sales and I come from the technology space. And I did that for many, many years and had a lot of success there. I also am a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. And if that's a new term to anybody listening, it's really the study of communication. So neuro, the way we process information in our brains, languages or linguistics, the NLP part. So the L is linguistics. So that's the language. So how we how we speak to others, how others speak to us, also internal dialogue that you've got going on. And then the programming is about habits and patterns. And so I teach now from being a master certified practitioner of NLP and having 25 years of sales experience, I really kind of have combined those and started working with entrepreneurs who were uncomfortable with the sales conversations and not really sure, like, I don't want to come across pushy or salesy. But at the same time, I also don't want to just give everything away for free. So how do I do this in a way that allows for my own personality to come through? So that's why I started doing what I do. And now I teach this five-step process called the Selling Staircase and, um, and have a lot of fun doing it and teaching people how to like move through a sales conversation seamlessly so it's comfortable for you. And more importantly, it feels really good to the prospect or the buyer. So basically what you're saying is you're a, a language ninja who's figured out how to leverage that <laughs> into helping people sell something. Nobody's ever called me a language ninja, but I'll take it. I love the language piece of sales and the how do you frame how do you frame things so that people are more open to hearing your message? How do you really use your language and just your style and really connect with people on a deep level? Because you've, I'm sure you've heard this before. We always say people buy from people they know, like, and trust. And how do you build that likability? that credibility so it builds to trust so people feel comfortable working with you they know they're going to get whatever it is that you offer is going to be you know a rock solid product or service for them and 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 there are ways to there are ways to do that that really build that trust and there are ways that people do it that unfortunately kind of breaks rapport and also diminishes trust Mm. yeah i think it's interesting because I think most landscape and nature photographers who are trying to sell their their photography to people, um, you know, we, we most of us get approached from time to time like, oh, how much for this photograph or how much for this print? And I, I think mm-hmm. especially when you're first starting out, you start getting those and you're like, I don't know what to do. And, it, and it's interesting because most, most photographers, nature photographers are introverts, right? Like they like to go out into the wilderness by themselves. And, and like, so having these kind of complex interactions with people that want to buy their photography, it's, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. come very naturally to most people and even for people that are more extroverted like me it's still it's still like I don't like want to say the wrong thing to turn them off or I don't want to like you know quote them something and make them go no way so it's I feel like most photographers struggle with this uh, all the time well there are a couple of things you can do when you get a question like that so one of the best things is be prepared with with an answer so that you don't <laughs> find yourself like oh i'm not sure what to say you know like we don't want to get in those moments and you don't want to say to somebody like it depends or like i'm not sure what would you pay because then it starts to diminish your credibility so it is totally okay to say to somebody my my photographs range between 
you know, $5, I don't care what the price is, $5 and $100,000 or whatever it is that you charge. I actually don't know what you charge, Matt, for your photography. So I'm just making up a like, you know, really big range. And then, and I'm sure it's based on, you know, do they want it as a print or do they want it in some other format or size? Like all of these things are going to play a factor. Is that, is that true in what the price would be? Okay. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I had to I had to chuckle because when you said it depends, I'm like, oh, do you know how many times I've said that to people? Like, it depends because it really I does know. for most of us. Like, how how yeah. big do you want it? Like, what do you want it on metal? Do you want it on paper? Do you want an yeah. acrylic? Like, it can range from I don't know, hundred and twenty dollars to four thousand dollars. Like, okay. <laughs> So I know that it does depend. And if I could get you to never, ever say that again, when somebody asked you for your price and the reason for it is because it diminishes your credibility. So instead just say prices range between, what did you say? $400 and let's just say like, let's just say like 200 to 5,000. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just say, uh, you know, photos range between 200 and all the way up to 5,000. And the way that we determine price is size that, you know, do you want it on acrylic or do you want it on, you know, these other forms that you have? And then you follow up with a question. What did you have in Hmm. mind? Or like, what were you looking for? Or how big of a of a print are you are you Mm -hmm. interested in so this by the way when somebody asks you for your price it's what's known as a buying signal and buying signals are something that i teach and talk about constantly i actually wrote my second book about buying signals because i thought everybody knew about them and it wasn't until i started working with entrepreneurs that i found that oh i guess these aren't as obvious to people who aren't kind of from a sales mindset like I am. And so when you get a buying signal, you have to follow it up with an invitation. So in this particular case, what do you charge for for a print or what do you charge for one of your photos? That is a huge buying signal. Like I actually hear a noise in my head when people ask that question. I hear ding, ding, ding. And it's like, oh, buying signal, pay attention because this is an opportunity for you to actually make a sale. And satisfy the person who's asking. So when somebody asks you that price, just say, you know, they range between 200 and 5,000 and pricing is uh, based on size and type of, you know, format that it's going to be in. So what did you have in mind? Hmm. And then you wait (laughs) (laughs) and let them answer. I don't know. I can't really speak for other photographers, but for me personally, I've had so many, um, interactions over the years where some I've gotten the buying signal and I, and, and for me, I, it, it, there is a little bell that goes off like, Oh, this person actually wants to buy something cool. Yeah. Good. But I've had so many times where it's like gone nowhere. And, okay. and I think that's where a lot of us get discouraged um, in terms of the, you know, the enthusiasm. It's like, Oh, here's another person who's going to ask me how much it costs. And then they're going to just ghost me. But it, I think some of that's attitude and some of it's just lack of, you know, tangible, you know, steps to take in order to complete the sale. (laughs) Yeah. Because one of the things that happens is sometimes 
so we'll get a buying signal. We will answer the question, but we don't follow up with the ask. Right. And if we don't follow up with the ask of the other person, oftentimes they will not make a conscious decision. Do I want to buy this or not? And that's why I would say like, answer the question and then follow up with like, what did you have in mind? Or is this something you'd be interested in? Or would you like me to actually put together a quote for you? Or you know, whatever that next step is in the process. And it could be something as simple as, is this something you would like, you would like to purchase? Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. now we're asking a very specific, do you want to buy yes or no question? And their brain can go, oh, actually, yeah, I would like that. I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I've worked with that they get the buying signal, but they don't follow up. And then as soon as we start seeing these, like I start working in these follow-up asks, um, I call them invitations because I like to be invited to things. So as soon as I get them, you know, giving these invitations, all of a sudden they're like, I just closed three sales or I just closed like five sales at an event that I was at, or like it just starts to happen and it gets so much easier. So if you're feeling like you're getting ghosted, that's because you're not actually walking somebody through the process and making it really easy for them to buy. Right. Because we actually want to, we also want to get to a no quick too. Like if somebody is shocked, like if you say my prices range between 200 and 5,000 and they clutch their pearls and be like, oh, I had no idea it was so expensive, you know, then great. Let's, let's bless and release those people from our lives as quickly as possible because they're never going to buy. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. One of the things I saw on your website was that, um, you don't want the sales process to feel sleazy or slimy. And I feel like for a lot of us photographers, that's like one of the first things, at least for me, it's one of the first things that comes into my mind. Like I don't, I don't want to come off as sleazy, slimy or pushy. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of going into like an art gallery or high end gallery, like in Las Vegas or I don't know, Aspen or Telluride or something, but like you know how people are just they're in your face like mm-hmm. you know or like when you try to buy a new car from certain dealerships like they're just <laughs> on you you know like and they have like a formula they're trying to follow and it's super yeah. obvious <laughs> yeah anytime that that you get that kind of i always say like when you get somebody who's coming across really kind of salesy or like icky it's usually because they're trying to sell like somebody else and so it it's not authentic it doesn't feel real it doesn't feel like i'm having a real conversation i actually have done training for uh, i did a training a couple of years ago for an art gallery on helping their sales team get more comfortable recognizing buying signals we also played with i did a training that's this is very in but it's called psychogeography. Like, where do you stand in relation to the client? And where do you, you know, focus your attention? And how do you make it easy for them to open up and be in a conversation with you? And so there are things that you can do at an art gallery, but then there's the people who, you know, do make you feel uncomfortable or like they're following me around. I can't even look. They're just trying to sell me something. So now I want to leave as quick as possible. So instead, be willing to kind of take a step back and, be there to ask the question, but also be willing to let the person have time to make decisions. So just like in if you were standing or face-to-face with somebody, or if you're on the phone with somebody, or if you're emailing with somebody, you still have to issue that invitation, but you don't have to be aggressive or pushy about it. It can be very light 
and it can be really easy. It doesn't have to be like, do you want to buy from me? (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's going to be like, no. (laughs) Right. So uh, one of the questions I'm always asking myself is like, how, if, you know, if someone gives me the buying signal and I've followed up with a question, like how frequently and in what way should you be following up with those people? Okay. Well, first when somebody gives me a buying signal and then maybe they say, I'd like to think about it. Like, is that a common, you know, if they want some time, is that a common thing you get? I'd say, I'd say that's, yeah, I get that one. And I also, I also get, you know, like the, um, Oh, I need to talk to my, need to talk to my wife or husband about it or. Oh, okay. I love these. Or, or you, or you get the, um, well, I don't have the money right now, but maybe, maybe later on later this year, you know, it's really, it kind of just depends. Okay. So if somebody says I need to think about it or I need to talk to somebody else, here's your follow-up to that. You go, great. When do you think you'll have that conversation? Or great. About how much time do you think you'll need to think about it? Let's go ahead and just schedule another call. And then that way I can answer any additional questions that come up and we can talk about best next steps. Mm-hmm, and nice. then get on their like get on their calendar. You know, get on like actual on their calendar a time and a date and get it on your calendar so that when you call them to follow up, they answer most of the time. And <laughs> so don't be afraid of like saying, yeah, absolutely talk to your spouse or talk to whoever. And then, you know, what do you think about us just scheduling another time to chat? And then that way we just know versus like you sitting there going like, well, should I call them and have they had enough time or, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Now, your last option there where somebody says like, I don't really have the money right now, like maybe this year, I might say to somebody, would you like to schedule a time to chat with me later in the year? And if so, let's get it on our calendars. And if they're like, no, I'll just reach out to you. Then I always say, great. I will be happy to hear from you when you're ready. Please know you can reach out to me at any point. And I bless and release those people from my life and from my schedule because I don't chase clients. I don't believe in chasing clients. I always say, if you start acting like you're going to chase clients, they turn into toddlers. And I don't know if you have a little one at home. I saw you had a, do you have a son? Is yeah, that, he, he's 12, but I've he's, oh, so he's been not, through this that is not, for sure. Okay. But if you said to him when he was little, like, oh, I'm going to chase you, wouldn't he just like take off and run? Like he doesn't even know what the game is, but it's like, oh, this is fun. Dad's going to chase me. Right, right, right. right? Oh, and so we don't, yeah, so we don't want to act like we're going to chase a client because even, even when he was little and you would play this, maybe you played this game with him. If you stop chasing him, what happens? He starts to like inch back to you. Or he goes and finds something else to do. And so when you stop chasing people who are just like blowing you off or they're playing the game of like, you know, maybe next week, like maybe next month, like maybe next year. And you keep like doing this, like, oh, I'm just going to stay in the chase with you. They'll keep running. Stop chasing them. And they'll either come back to you or they'll move on and like stop taking up time and energy from you. Yeah, no, that, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, well, let's talk about uh, some of these uh, five steps of the selling staircase. I think the okay. first one is how to create a positive first impression, which I don't know, for me, that's something I'm always trying to think about, especially with someone's reaching out to me. Um, but tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. 
Well, the first step that, like you said, it's the introduction step. So it's like, how do I create this positive first impression? Now, when you're in person with somebody, or if you are like connecting with somebody over the phone or like on video or something like that, one of the, like, this is so simple, but one of the things that people often forget to do is say their name. And so when you're meeting somebody for the first time, even though you think, well, they know my name, still say it because they might actually not know your name. I just had a conversation with somebody recently who shared that she did two Zoom calls with a man. He never said what his name was and she never felt comfortable to ask. And he was trying to sell her something. And so, you know, start your calls with like, hey, you know, I'm Matt. It's nice to meet you or something like that. Like connect with people because we want to put them at ease and we want them to feel comfortable with us. Now, the way that you could do this via email, people who are reaching out to you through your website, another way to make a positive first impression is to ask them something about themselves because most people like to talk about themselves. So ask them a question like, thank you so much for reaching out and asking about this. You know, would love to know a little bit more about you. Are you willing to share like what, what, how'd you find my website or what brought you to this or what, what in particular about this photo resonates with you? Cause now we're starting to like connect with real people and have real conversation. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Okay. And then step two of the selling staircase is creating curiosity. And this is where I always say creating curiosity is the difference between how you call a dog and how you call a cat. And I know that sounds like you just have a crazy person on your podcast right now. (laughs) So hold on a second while I explain what I mean by that. When you are meeting somebody and you're starting conversation Um, Have you ever met somebody who shows up and they have this like really high energy and they're like, hey, Matt, it's so great to meet you. Let me tell you all the things about me and then what I'm doing. And like, you know, those people that have that like you're going, you're kind of like, oh, my gosh, how did I get in this conversation? Yeah, you're like looking for the closest exit. Exactly. (laughs) So I call those like dog calling energy people. Those are the people who show up and they act and treat you like they're calling their dog. Like when you call your dog, I don't know if you have a dog, Matt. I I didn't see that. You do. Okay. So if you want to get your dog's attention, you just do this thing where you're like, come here, come here. And you do this like high pitch, like, come here, boy, or come here, girl, or whatever, call your dog's name. Right. Right. And and dogs love that energy. That's super fun for them because they're like, oh, we might be going for a walk or maybe we're going to do something fun or maybe you're going to feed me or, but people don't respond in that same way. So when you show up with dog calling energy, you turn people off. So instead I always say, imagine that you want to get a cat's attention and you do this thing where you go here, kitty, kitty, here, kitty, kitty. And the way that you do that in a conversation with somebody is the way you answer a question. So oftentimes, I don't know, Matt, has anybody ever asked you, how are you? Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, you're not, yeah, not usually right? in the context of a, a buying situation, but yes, definitely. But if you're meeting somebody for the first time and somebody says, how are you? Like maybe you're out at an event or maybe you're, I don't know, even if you're, I mean, you can use this technique anywhere, by the way, if you're standing in line to order coffee, instead of just saying like, oh, I'm fine, or I'm good. 
say something that is relevant to you and your business. I think you started, I think before we started recording, you told me you you just got back from a trip somewhere. I can't remember now where you said you hiked somewhere. Is that right? Yeah, I was I did like a four day trip in Canyonlands National Park. That's right, Canyonlands. So when somebody says, How are you? say, Oh, I'm great. I just got back from a four day trip in, you know, Canyonlands National Park. Right. Now, and it's super disarming, right? Yeah, because now somebody has a follow up question to you, like, Oh, what were you doing there? And you could go, Well, I was taking some photos. There'll be, you know, something that I can I can uh, you know, use in my gallery. Right. Now somebody's going to be like, you have a gallery? What kind of photos do you take? They want to know more. And now we get to talk a little bit more about your business and what you do versus just like, oh, I'm fine. That doesn't create any curiosity. So I always say answer questions with a little bit of a here kitty kitty statement. Like how can we draw people in? How can we get them asking us questions so that we can tell them a little bit more about what's going on in our business. So think about how you might answer a how are you question. Mm. Now you can do this in email. It's a little bit harder to do an email, but you could still say to somebody like, how are you? Mm -hmm. I just got back from a four day trip on blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and was able to take some really cool photos that'll be up on my website later. That makes sense. Uh, I feel like that's definitely a, a, a tactic that, works much better in person for sure. Yeah. Th this one's much easier in person to create curiosity, but honestly, you can do this over social media as mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. you could be posting about your trip and you could, which I've noticed because I was looking at your website, like you have some really great photos of like you in places where you are taking photos and so if you post a picture like that and you say something like, I can like super excited to reveal the photo that I just took from this trip or this hike. Now people are going to be like, oh, I can't wait to see what that photo is. Oh, oh, maybe I want that photo. Right, right. So no, create I, some curiosity. I like that. What's the uh, what's the next one? So the next step is the discovery phase. This is where it's your job to uncover what's important to the person that you're in conversation with. If they have given you a buying signal, if they've wanted or asked more information about your work, about working with you, about taking one of your workshops or your class or any of that stuff. Now it's your job to find out a little bit more about what's important to them so that we can deliver back a proposal, which is going to be step four. So in the discovery one of the things that is super important that you do right off the bat is create some safety with somebody. And the way to create safety is to pre-frame why you're about to ask them some questions. So don't just launch into like, you know, in order to sell you something, I need to ask <laughs> you questions because that's like, oh, that doesn't sound good. But you might say, you know, in order to figure out what is going to be the best fit for you, is it okay if I start with a couple quick questions? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like most people are going to say yes to this. Like right. and I've actually never had anybody be like, no, how dare you want to ask me questions? Right. Like if someone was like, oh, I really love this photo and I want to get really big. One of the things I might say is, is it okay if I ask you some questions about the space you're going to put it in so that I can maybe better recommend yes. the type of media that you're going to use to print it on? Perfect. I love that. See, and that's relevant. And that's also future pacing for them of like, imagine what this is going to be like in your space. Right. <laughs> it's That's a great question. So that's the discovery phase. And then step four is the proposal. 
And in step four, one of the most important things that you can do is be the leader. Like it is now your job to recommend what you know is going to be the best fit based on what you learned about them in the discovery. So recommend what they need, not what you think they can afford. Mm. And there's a difference between those two things. Because especially if you're somebody who struggles a little bit with like, the valuing your work and all of those things. Sometimes what we do is we're like, well, I'm just going to sell them the least expensive print because I don't, I don't know that they can afford that. Or I couldn't afford to pay $5,000 for this. So they probably can't afford to pay five. Like, nope. Unless they have flat out told you what their budget is, recommend what you know is going to be the best fit based on what they have shared. That's important to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. Uh, And then, (laughs) Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, I was just going to say, and then once you've laid out, like my recommendation for you would be this size print. This is going to work well in the space that you mentioned. This is the right medium for it. And, um, and then you ask, does that sound like something you'd be interested in? Or does that sound like the right fit for you? Mm -hmm. And they're probably going to say yes, or they're going to say, well, how much is it? Mm -hmm. Right. If we haven't actually talked to that. And then you say, the price of that is $5,000. Should we go ahead and get that ordered for you? So you follow up with this is step five. This is the close. You have to issue closed language. And again, if you're not issuing closed language, you're not issuing that invitation. Oftentimes people will not make a decision, yes or no, to move forward. And we have to allow for their brains to make that decision. I feel like that's that's the step that I often miss personally is that closing language because yeah. I feel like I'm pretty good up into that point. Like I try to assess their needs and, you know, develop a proposal that's going to kind of fit what their needs are. And then I kind of tell them like, here it is. And then I don't follow up with that. So should <laughs> yeah. I, should I get that going for yeah. you? You do. You got it. You have to do this because it it will absolutely make a difference in your sales. And here's the other thing is it will also make a huge difference in that you will have more satisfied interactions for the people who are engaged with you. Like it, it's unsatisfying to walk away and have wanting like kind of wanted to buy something, but the other person not really made it easy for you. So then you don't buy it. And then you have like kind of regrets later, like, oh, I really wish I had gotten that. Right. And, but now I'm me. And so I'll just wait till I go to this other gallery or till I meet somebody else who does something similar and I'll just buy from them. Right. right? No, we want them to buy from you. We want them to have a satisfying experience with you. And even if the answer is going to be no, it's still satisfying for them to get to decide yes or no. So you absolutely have to issue closed language. And again, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be gross and it doesn't have to be aggressive. It could just be something as simple as is that something you'd like to go ahead and get ordered? Mm-hmm. Now notice what I do with my voice. I don't say is that something you'd like to order? Are you going to order or what? Yeah, like what's up, dude? Order or not, right? Like we don't want the aggressive piece, but we do want like is that something you'd like to get ordered? And then you wait. You're not allowed to speak until they say yes, no, or something else. And then if they don't respond, then follow up with a, like, do you have any other questions or? Yeah. So I would say what additional questions have come to mind? Right. 
or and then if this is all via email by the way at some point i'm going to send an email that says closing the loop like i might follow up once or twice mm-hmm. three times will be the max that i would recommend somebody following up and probably on the third time i would say i would send a subject line that said closing the loop and said you know so great to engage with you have you made a decision to go in a different direction um, if so please let me know and at this point i'll just wait to hear from you when you're ready mm-hmm. And I just like, kind of like bless and release. Okay, <laughs> now like it's on bless you. And release. <laughs> yeah, it's on you to make a decision. And if the answer is no, like sometimes we have to make it easy for people to tell us no, because believe it or not, it's sometimes it's uncomfortable to be the person like you feel like you're going to let someone down when you right. say, no, I'm not going to buy your art. Right. So let's make it easy for them to just say yes or no. Right. And then, and then, as long as you make it easy and the experience um, good for them, they may come back to you later. I've gotten many no's where then people come back and hire me later because they're like, you were so nice about it, Nikki, and you didn't make me feel bad. So now I'm ready for what it is that you do and I'm ready to take the next step. Like I don't get offended. I also don't take it as rejection when people decide not to hire me because I'm always like, okay. Like I always say, it's kind of like if you go out and have a really delicious meal at a restaurant and the waiter comes over and says, would you like to see the dessert menu? And you go, oh, I couldn't possibly. I'm full. And they don't ever go behind the counter and be like, "Ah, can you believe her? I offered her dessert and she rejected me. (laughs) I'm curious, would you ever change kind of your approach if it was like a larger um, project or proposal? Like let's say that a hotel chain, you know, you were in contact with a hotel chain and they were considering, I don't know, purchasing like $50,000 worth of your photography. And, and for most people, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty significant sale. Uh, and it might take a little bit longer to kind of nail that down. Would you recommend spending a little bit more time on the follow-up or would you kind of stick to that two to three times max approach? So I would want to understand a little bit more about their buying decisions. Like um, one of the questions that I would want to ask in the discovery is whom besides yourself is involved in the decision-making process? Mm. And what's your criteria for choosing the art that you're going to put in the hotel? Like I would want to have a really well-honed discovery. And what is your process? Like what is the process that you go through for purchasing because they they will tell you a lot of times like well we purchase two times a year or three times a year or um we have to go through you know management approval and then it's got to go through our purchasing department like i would want to know that information so that i kept the ball rolling and the way i would keep the ball rolling with somebody is i would always try to schedule my next step and get it on the calendar before we end that last meeting So even if I'm just doing a check-in with somebody and I check in with them and they go, well, we haven't really made a decision yet. It's still, you know, it's still in the work. So I would say, great. You know, can we schedule another follow-up if I don't hear from you like in a week or two or a month or like I will stay in it with someone as long as they stay in it with me. But as soon as people start ghosting me, then I, I close the loop and move on. What is it you said? Release, release them from your... Bless and release. <laughs> Bless and release. Yeah. 
Yeah. Bless and release. Um, and it doesn't mean they won't ever come back. So it's not that I like say to somebody like you didn't answer my email. So I'm never, ever going to work with you. Like I don't do that. But at the same time, I don't chase people either. And for corporate clients, sometimes it's a, especially like you said, if that is a significant purchase for them, if $50,000 is a significant amount of money that it's going to take a while probably to get through all of the, you know, chain of command and all the people who have to sign off on them spending this money. Or it could be that there's some new construction and they're, you know, got to wait for the, you know, that piece to be ready to start decorating the rooms and put your art in the, in the rooms or whatever that that's going to happen next. But that means that you need to have a really well-honed discovery session and questions that you're asking in those situations. So that's something I work with clients all the time on is like, what are the questions that you should be asking in your discovery? And when you're selling to corporate, it's different than you're, if you're selling to like a one-off individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, def- that makes sense. Yeah. So there's a different process. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if it's an individual, you're kind of discovering more about kind of what their individual needs are and mm-hmm. what potential questions might arise from you know, their circumstances, whether it be budget or uh, room or size of size of it or whatever it is. Or if you're selling workshops, it could be like, how much time are you going to have to spend? What are you looking for in a workshop? Those kinds of things. Yeah. What criteria will you be using to decide, you know, what's, I I love the question, what's important to you. Yeah. So if you're going to ask a corporate, like, so what's important to you in providing this workshop to your to your people, like, what do you most want to get out of it? Or what do you want them to get out of it? Like ask those questions because when you're delivering back the proposal, those types of the language that the person's giving you, like for instance, if they say, well, what's important is that we have somebody who's an expert and who is going to be I'm just making this up, like kind and um, supportive of the people as they're learning this process. Mm -hmm. So when you deliver back your proposal, you go, well, one of the things that is going to be important about this is know that your team is going to be supported. Every, everything will be delivered in a kind way. Like I'm just using their language back. So it's like speaking their language and they're like, oh, well, I'm going to hire Matt now because Matt is giving me exactly what I asked for. Mm-hmm. I think too that that discovery phase could be, is important for another reason for me anyways, which would be like you can discover something about the project that's not a good fit for you and it's going to save you a lot of time in you know, not chasing something that either isn't good for you from a budget perspective, or it might not be something that you're comfortable with in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what their needs are. So I think, you know, it's, I think it's even more important sometimes to turn away business that, you know, might not really fit with what you're trying to do. I agree with that a hundred percent. You are so right. The, the idea is in the discovery, it is an opportunity for you to find out like what's important to them, but also you use that to find out, is this somebody that I want to work with? Right. Or, you know, do I have something that meets their needs? I will often have a discovery with somebody and find out like, they're not ready to work with me yet. They, they've got all these other things that are, you know, piled up on their plate and they're not going to spend the time and attention like implementing the things that we work on. So again, I I will say to them, you know, my take on this is I don't think this is quite the right fit for you yet. I would be happy to work with you when you're ready, but I think these these things need to be in place first 
Or sometimes I get, I mean, it doesn't happen very often, but I'll get on the, a discovery call with somebody and I'll realize like this person is going to drive me nuts and I'm going to spend way too much energy. And they're already, like, I can already tell just from the way that they're, they're phrasing things that they're not even going to be open to coaching. And so in those particular cases, I would just say, you know, based on everything we talked about, I just don't think I'm the right coach for you. I appreciate you gave me some time here to talk about this with you and I wish you well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like in a nice way. <laughs> it's like, okay, lesson release, move on. Because as a entrepreneur, you know, I get to choose who I work with. Right. Well, I think and, it could save you a lot of hassle and potentially some damaging um, things to your brand and your reputation as a person down the road. There's a there's a there's a handful of photographers that are like super famous and well known for these like epic adventures and you know really um, difficult wilderness kind of terrain type workshop environments where they're going out for like a week and backpacking and hiking and I feel like well just the most classic example is there's a there's a photographer in Europe named Max Reeve and he um, you know he does these epic workshops in Norway and stuff like that. And he had a bunch of people go on and go with him on a workshop, which I'm guessing he didn't have this kind of discovery phase to see if, you know, they were physically capable or knew what they were getting into. And like one of them came back from the workshop and like wrote this really nasty review about him. And, you know, who knows how much of it was actually true or accurate, but he probably could have saved himself uh, a huge hassle and headache by doing a little bit of discovery on his clients before saying, yeah, that sounds like, sounds like a good fit for you. (laughs) You know, one of my red flags is if I get on the phone with somebody, because again, I'm, I'm coaching people. I work with people one-on-one and then I, I have a group program as well. But when I get on the phone with somebody and they only have bad things to say about all the people they've hired prior to hiring me, I'm like, Oh, (laughs) that's a, that's a huge red flag. Like I don't want those people out in the market going like, well, I hired Nikki and I didn't get any results or like, we don't want people out in the market talking about us like this. So I do believe in the selling process that we want to attract our ideal people and we want to repel the people that are not a good fit. Um, not because they're bad people or there's anything necessarily wrong with them, but we don't want them out in the market talking bad about us. We want to create ambassadors right. for our work. Like there's nothing better than when somebody shows up to have a call with me and they're like, I already know I want to hire you because, you know, my friend worked with you and she said you brought in, you know, like you helped her bring in $100,000 in business this year. Yeah. Okay. Like she's already, like, I don't even have to sell. Like she's just ready to <laughs> sign up. That's easy. <laughs> so those are the... Yeah. Right. Those are the people like we want those people out in the market and people going like, wow, like how did this happen? Or how did you learn what you learned? And you want them going, well, I took Matt's workshop and Matt taught me this and look what I've been able to do with it. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. And then the, and then the, uh, the fifth step is the, uh, the one we kind of already talked to talked about, which is the, uh, recognizing and responding to the buying signal. Well, actually, um, step five, sorry for the confusion. Step five is the close. So that's issuing that close language. And yes, so that could be recognizing the buying signal. Buying signals also show up usually in the curiosity phase too. Mm. Um, And the curiosity step, that's usually people will be like, like you said, oh, I just went, you know, I just did this four day hike and, you know, got some really great photos for my gallery. And somebody goes, oh, gallery, what kind of 
you know, what kind of photos? Well, I'm a landscape photographer. Oh, that's so interesting. You know, we, we're looking for a new, you know, photo for our, you know, office or whatever. And then you go, great. Like, is that something you'd like to talk more about or like to review the gallery? Like that's the invitation. Cause they just gave you the buying signal. Like, Oh, we're looking for something for our office or whatever it is. Yeah. It's funny because I, I've had it happen to me a lot where someone will be like, Oh, I love your photos. And we've been thinking about buying one. And I'll just be like, I don't know what to say to that. Like, cool. Thank you. I'm, I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I don't, I'm stupid. I don't follow up on like, great. Can I, can I come over to your office and take a look at what you have in mind? Like that would be a much, that would be a much better approach. <laughs> Well, it's not, it's not stupid, right? Like if you don't know, if nobody's ever taught you, I mean, I don't know, like, have you ever had any formal sales training? No, no. Right. (laughs) So don't beat yourself up for not having it. It's, it's now, you know, so now go learn what to say. And if somebody is like, you know, we've been thinking about buying one of your photos, I want you to say, great, which one in particular I've been looking at or great, you know, do you want to set up a time to like review your space and talk about best, like the best size and, and media for me. Is it medium or media? I feel like I'm saying that wrong. I feel like either one is good. (laughs) I were. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. I feel like you're being extra kind. (laughs) Okay. So either whatever you say, like, should we have a, should we set up a time? And more than likely they're going to be like, yes, because you're making it easy for them in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like the last thing you want to do in the selling process is add to your clients to do list. Right. And, and their to do list is like, okay, at some point I need to schedule a time, have Matt come out and talk about, you know, our space and I need to be able to ask him some questions. But if you say like, Hey, should we schedule a time? And they go, yeah. And you go, great, let's get it on our calendars right now. And now you're going to go see them next Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Well, now you just made it easy for them. It's no longer on their to-do list. It's on their calendar. Right. And there's a difference. Right. I love that. Um, <clears throat> one of the other things that I feel like is important to the sales process, and especially you know, in the art world, there's, you know, Typically, you get sale repeat sales. Ideally, you want repeat sales from customers because they love your work and and they want to buy more of your work. And you know, in you know, traditional art collector kind of fashion, people are collecting your work. Although I don't personally call it that because I, I just well, that's a whole other topic of conversation. But <laughs> but having a repeat sale with somebody, I feel like, is kind of the ideal situation because yeah. you don't have to sell them on your product. They already know how good it is. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you how do you build and sustain those relationships with with buyers? Well, one of the things you do is that you actively touch base with them in some way. Like even if it's been a year, check back and go like, how are you? you know, how is that photo working for you? Or are you still loving it in that space? And, and then you follow up with like, is there anything else you'd be interested in? Or have you seen the new, like the new photos that have been added since last year? And here's a link to the gallery in case you want to check them out. And if you have another space you're interested in talking about, like, please know you're welcome to reach out to me at any point. I always say, and I Mm -hmm. will be happy to hear from you. Because I want people to feel like, oh, I can reach out to Nikki at any point. So I would actively stay engaged with them in some way, like whether that's that you put a, 
like a note on your calendar, like I'm going to send them an email and then I'm going to call them in three months. And then in six months, I'm going to, you know, send them a card or something in the mail. Or, I mean, I don't know if you do this and I don't know if this is weird. Like you're going to have to tell me, but like, I would love for you to have a postcard made of maybe some of your more popular prints and like send them a little postcard in the mail with one of your really beautiful prints on the front. Right. Like, why not? Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I actually have some, some cards that I, that I made up that occasionally I'll send out to people. Um, but it, but I haven't necessarily targeted former buyers with it, although it's been on my mind. I just, yeah. for some stupid reason, haven't yet. Well, now's the time, right? There's, you know, that the old, I think it's a Chinese proverb, like the best time to plant a cherry tree was 20 years ago. And the next best time is today. <laughs> Like, okay, Matt, like get those cards out, like start, you know, connect with these people because chances are they have loved, loved, loved the print that they got or the the photo that they got from you. And they might have a new space or maybe they want to buy one as a gift for somebody else, right? Like your repeat clients are always your low hanging fruit. And those are people, like you said, they already know the quality of your work. They already love you. You're not having to sell like who you are and what your work does. It's just now just make it really easy for them to take the next step. And, you know, again, if you send out some handwritten cards that have, you know, a new photo or a any of your more popular photos or maybe even something that maybe it's not the most popular selling photo, but it's one that people really kind of comment on or catches people's attention. And you start sending those out, you know, let's say that, let's say you send out a hundred and let's say one person buys a $5,000 photo from you. Is it worth worth your time and energy? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So why not? You have nothing to lose. And the worst that they can do is be like, oh, it's nice to hear from Matt, throw the card away. The best they can do is, oh, it's nice to hear from Matt. I forgot that I want to redecorate this room and we want to put one of his other photos in there. Right. No, I think that's good. What I'm curious, have you had to coach anyone on how to deal with a customer when they're not completely satisfied with their purchase? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Never happens, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I, first of all, when you have somebody who is unsatisfied in some way, get curious mm-hmm. and ask questions because chances are it's something that can be easily fixed and, or it could be that we need to review like, this would also, if this is happening to you often, I would say there's something going wrong in your discovery. Like your discovery needs some, you need to be doing a better discovery so that you don't have unhappy or unsatisfied clients. Um, It's also why I teach the five-step approach, by the way, is so that you cannot skip steps in the process. And if you skip steps, if you go from meeting somebody to closing that sale right away and you didn't really like like you didn't do any of these other things in between and specifically discovery. If you miss discovery step, sometimes what will happen is then they, they had a different thing in their head, but you never asked the question. So you didn't know what they were thinking and now they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. So be really careful about skipping steps. Now I'm not saying if a client walks right up to you today and says, Matt, I want to buy this photo. Here's five grand, like take the order, but you still might want to at least, 
take the order, ask some questions and then deliver right. right? In case we need to change something. Right. Right. So, but if the, okay, so you have a really unhappy client, I would ask questions and say, so, you know, what part of this feels unsatisfying or what part of this are you unhappy with? And notice by when I say what part of it, I'm like implying that there are multiple parts. It's not just happy or unhappy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I would get really curious and what you do with your voice and the way you respond. The last thing you want to do is get defensive because as soon as they feel like you're getting defensive, they'll get defensive. And now it's like, now we're at odds and you know, I've drawn a line in the sand. I'm not going to cross it no matter what you say or do. Mm -hmm. So get curious. And, and it's also okay to say to somebody, you know, I would love to find a solution that works for both of us here. So is it okay if I, I ask you a couple questions about what's going on and, and, um, and maybe you don't even know what they want. So be willing to, to check out with them of like, well, what would feel like a really good solution for you here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And no, ask that. I actually had a, a recent experience um, where you where you, you you nailed it on the discovery phase, and I realized that there was a piece that I was missing in terms of questions to ask people when they purchase a print. I had a buyer purchase a really expensive print, uh, forty by sixty, which is really huge, mm -hmm. and they wanted it uh, with an acrylic face, which most acrylic is going to have some glare or reflection, you know. That's just kind of the way it works, especially mm -hmm. if you put it in a room with a lot of natural light and windows, there's, it's pretty unavoidable. Um, and, and it's really important too, that, you know, the, the photograph has, or the piece of art has proper like directional lighting above it to kind of, you know, take away some of that glare and, and also mm. bring attention to it, you know, especially sure. such a large piece, piece of art. And, um, and, and anyway, the, the print got delivered and, um, she, she, she emailed me and she's like, it looks beautiful. It's amazing. It looks so good. Um, but we were just really surprised at how much glare it had. And I was like, oh man, I should have asked you more questions, you know? And I, and I followed up. I'm like, that's my fault. I should have asked you some, some, for, some more questions to see if we could have maybe gotten you a different type of medium, uh, or recommend a different room to put it in or, you know, so it, it definitely forced me to change kind of how I thought about selling that particular type of product. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And so one of the, one of the suggestions sometimes is if this, so if the client is picking acrylic and you know that there's potential for glare issues, pre-frame for them up front, you know, um, there are a lot of really amazing things about having an acrylic painting and there are some other, or is it a painting? So then there are some other things to take into account. So don't make it sound like it's a negative, but there are some other things to take into account, you know, where the, the windows are in relation to this. Are you, you know, putting some lighting over it? Like all of these things are going to impact, you know, potential glare. So want to make sure that we're talking through that so that when you get this, you're going to be completely satisfied. Right. No, I think that's smart. I just, yeah. I just thought that was an interesting kind of story to kind of just prove your point that the discovery discovery phase can help prevent all kinds of future problems. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, so one of the things I also wanted to ask you about was, uh, for photographers either selling workshops or um, wanting to create business around perhaps uh, client work, you know, whether that be portraiture or 
event coverage or if they're wanting to sell workshops to other photographers like what are some what are some tips you would have in terms of them trying to think about how to attract more business or find more business and i know you're not a marketing expert but i think <laughs> you probably have a lot to say about it well one of the things is remember to always use your network first we often are feel uncomfortable like asking people in our lives to share or recommend our stuff but yet oftentimes those are the people who know the people who are going to come to your workshop or attend your class or want to work with you. So use your network first and foremost. Um, I would say a couple tips. Don't send out like a blast, like, would you help me with this to 20 people at the same time on the same email or through messenger or anything like that. And because it's super easy to ignore when you send it to 20 people, like, 19 are going to be like, well, I don't need to do it because all these other people are going to do it, but they all think right. that. So send individual messages and just say, you know, is it okay to ask you for a favor? I have this workshop coming up. It's, it's specific to this type of person. Here's how they're going to benefit from being a part of it. Who do you know that would that would enjoy being a part of this? Or who do you know that would benefit from this? And would you be willing to share? Mm. Yeah. Like use your network first and foremost. Like it's the most underutilized, I think often is we always think, well, I just got to spend a bunch of money on ads or, you know, I've got a um, like shotgun approach, like blast everybody via email about it. Although I will say, do send it out to your list and issue invitations to people. Like people like to be invited and it's also okay to target specific people. Like, Hey Matt, Here's a workshop coming up, wondering if this would be a good fit for you. Here's what we're going to cover. Here's what the participants are going to get out of it. Is this something you might like to participate in? Hmm. And now it's for you to say like, no, Nikki, or yes, right? Like be willing to send out messages. And it's also okay to say like, Matt, I would totally love to have you in this workshop. You would be such a great fit if this was something you were looking to have, you know, more information about or whatever. And then then you get to decide yes or no. So you want to do that for specific people. Like depending on how many people you want in your workshop, if you want five or if you want 20 or if you want 100, sit down and write out a list of who are the people that you need to send really specific personal invites to mm. and then get to sending. Mm. Yeah, that, I, I, feel, I feel like social media has kind of flipped that on its head for a lot of people because we're so used to just blasting out like, hey, this is a thing, come check it out. And I feel mm -hmm. like that kind of makes it a lot less personal. And yeah. it, you know, like you said, people are going to be like, well, someone else is going to do it. <laughs> well, and not that you shouldn't post it on social media. You should. You you absolutely should post it there. But you cannot just rely on social media. Like um, people are often surprised because I am on social media. Like you can find Nikki Roush. You can find Sales Maven all over and you can you know, see that I put on, you know, a monthly webinar and, you know, I do all kinds of things. But realistically, most of my sales come from either existing clients who continue to buy from me, or they come from my list. Mm -hmm. And when I send out emails to my list, here's a little tip. I never send out an email that says, hey, everyone, this email is for all of you. Because none of us sit around and read email as a group. So write your emails to a person, even if you're sending it to your list. Like, this this is something for you. Like, 
hey, Matt, like put people's names in the emails. Like it's so easy to do if you're using a, you know, email system right. or like, you know, MailChimp so, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I use Active Campaign and my, I always consider my successful emails are the ones that people respond as if I wrote it specifically to them as one person. And then I feel like, okay, I, I did what I was trying to do. I want people to feel like this is a personal message from Nikki to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm writing this down because I think this is important. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to count that as a success then. Yeah. I feel like, at least for me... Um, that's one of the things I don't do. I haven't historically done well when I send out emails to my email list is I don't write it as if it's personalized to one person. Yeah. It'll make it, it'll change the way people respond to you. No, I think, I think that's smart for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to ignore when you're just one in the crowd. You know, I'm trying to think, what is that saying? Like you might just be one of a million, but you might be like, Oh, I'm saying it wrong. Do you know what I'm, um, it's a quote about like, you might be just one in a million to some people, but when you are like the one of a million, like you are the one that people pick, then it feels hmm. special. I'm totally butchering <laughs> that saying, but, um, I wish I could like rewind and take this part out. Like what is Nikki talking about? But really it's this idea of like, make people feel special mm -hmm. and important and treat people as if they that the relationship matters. And so talk to people like we got to talk with people. We can't just talk at them. Social media, you're talking at people constantly all day long. People are being talked at constantly. But when you're going to take the time to send out an email to your list, mm -hmm. talk with people, ask questions in issue invitations. Mm, I love that. Well, how can people learn a little bit more about you and uh, your free ebook for listeners? So if people would like to learn more about me, you can check out my website. And actually, I'm going to give uh, a special gift for everybody who's listened, who comes and looks at my website. If you go to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash F stop, you will get my book, Closing the Sale. And this is going to walk you through some of these language suggestions, how to really set yourself up to be the expert and easily move somebody through the process. And you can find me there. I'm also on social media. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. So either through Nikki Roush or by going to Your Sales Maven. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. So who do you recommend we have here on the podcast for our guests to hear from? Well, I would recommend somebody that's a little bit uh, maybe different that your listeners might not have heard before. And her name is Melina Palmer. And she actually has a podcast. It's called The Brainy Business. And she is a behavioral economist. Whoa. And she is so brilliant and has information that she shares around marketing, the way that people make decisions as far as buying, and how our basically our subconscious mind controls most of our decisions. And so how do you set your pricing and all of these types of things? She's really brilliant. Um, she's a good friend. And I actually hire her and work with her. And she works with me. We do a lot of um, exchanging of work together, but she, I think your, I think your listeners would really like her. She's very interesting. And um, 
I call her my smarty pants friend because she actually <laughs> knows a lot of stuff and she has all the research that backs up everything she talks about. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds like you could take that in all kinds of directions, especially for yeah. photographers, not just pricing uh, prints, but just in terms of maybe even just in terms of how to think when you're in the field. Yeah. And even like, how do you position your work on your website? And I mean, oh. she's just so brilliant at what she does. And um, I actually recommend her podcast to a lot of my clients and they end up becoming just raving fans of her. That's so cool. Thanks for the recommendation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Cool. All right. Well, thank you to Nikki for the brilliant tips and ideas. I actually just used some of her tips on a phone call today and uh, it ended in a sale. So I guess this stuff really does work. So check it out. Give it a try. I want to hear how you guys uh, give it a shot. Like, did it work? Did it not work? What questions do you have for Nikki in order to make it work better next time? All right. Well, thank you to our amazing supporters over on Patreon for helping to keep the show alive. I can't do the show without your support, so thank you all so, so much. If you are kind of on the fence of supporting the show, just I think it's worth it. Five bucks and you get, you know, a podcast a week. I think that's worth it. I support some other podcasts uh, myself. So, I th you know, if it provides you value, then give back. All right. Well, let's talk about who is coming up on the show. Next up, we have uh, several really great uh, photographers. We have Alex Burke. He is a large format film photographer from Greeley, Colorado. We have Brenda Tharp. She is a photographer from Sonoma County, California. We have Mei Zhu, a photographer from Colorado with some absolutely great work. We have Nikolai Alexander. He is an interior designer living in Denver, Colorado. Uh, and I'm hoping to pick his brain on what interior designers look for when partnering with photographers. We have Jaron Schneider coming soon. He's a filmmaker working in the freelance space. And we have Clay Bolt, a well-known conservation photographer. And we have Christian Fletcher, a photographer from Australia. All right. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. We'll see you next week.